All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Man, I must be so bad as a host because we are down to one other guest today, which is you. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Am I that bad? My tolerance level is extremely high. You are really sanctified. I used to work with high school kids. (laughs) Wait a minute, wait. (laughs) That's Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale. Reformed Church. That's right. I am Josh Bells from the It's well. actually Cloverdale United Reformed Church, but you were close. I've said URC before. You guys said just say Reform. Or maybe no, that no, was Jonathan. that's Jonathan. Okay, that's right. Well, he might join us. Yep. We'll see. Um, I'm from the Well Church, and then we do have uh, Pastor Tim Hazelbaker. I said that right, right? It he is did. Hazelbaker, right? Yeah. Boy, so, that'd be weird if I hadn't told you. I after know, like all after this time. all these shows that we've been doing together. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, from Middleton First Baptist Church, uh, where can people find your. Your church online. Middleton I should have ba- asked that before. I'm so sorry. Bro. Oh, that's okay. MiddletonBaptist.org. Or uh, if you go to YouTube, our channel is Middleton First Baptist Church Idaho. Something like that. And then we're also on Facebook. So What's that? Uh, it's like Facebook.com slash no, I mean, Middleton. What, what's Facebook? What's Facebook? Oh. <laughs> it's this Russ thing and I are way more <laughs> sanctified than that. Like, we're not even on social media. <laughs> yeah. It w- you know. It wasn't my plan. It wasn't my idea. Just kidding. It was. <laughs> it could be because we're not adept enough to we're do anything not. with it. But, you no. know, that's another story. And you're going through uh, the book of Deuteronomy. Correct. Dude, you are brave. That's so awesome. Love it. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, somebody was telling me the other day, they said, this is, I can't remember exactly how they put it, but I said, oh, just wait until we get the law in chapter five. It's going to get real fun. Yeah. There's some very interesting laws in the book of Deuteronomy. Yes, there is. I am convinced that unless you have a good handle on the book of Deuteronomy, you really don't truly understand the Old Testament. Mm. That's what I said the first week, as I said, if you understand Deuteronomy, you will understand the rest of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. I said it's like a Reader's Digest Old Testament. Every major theological theme from the Old Testament is found in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. The whole story of Israel, from God choosing Abraham, multiplying him into a nation, to sending him into the land, to sending him into exile, to bringing him back from exile, it's all found in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. referenced anyway. Okay, so thank you for that. Um, hopefully people who live in Middleton will visit your church. For Middleton. that shameless plug. No, I, I'm, we're glad to have a, another um, kind of like-minded church out in Middleton. That, that's wonderful. All right, so we've been talking about uh, the sovereignty of God. We've been going through Paul Tripp's book, Do You Believe? The idea is that uh, doctrine is for life, that we must not only understand the doctrine, but we must know how to apply it. And I think that's where we often drop the ball. Um, I mean, we can drop the ball in our doctrine, but oftentimes we just don't know how to apply it. Um, so if you missed our, our couple last shows on sovereignty, just subscribe to our podcast. But here's the question for this morning. What are the two aspects of God, what what are two aspects of God's sovereignty? Should I say the or just what are two aspects of God's sovereignty? We'll go, we'll go with that. You can say it however you want to. <laughs> so it's God's decrees and God's providence. What God wills and how God accomplishes that will, providence or through His power. Yeah. So um, this is th- those two words, decree and providence. Uh, those are spelled out very quickly in the shorter catechism. So question number seven, what are the decrees of God? Answer, the decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. So think of decrees as those things that God foreordained since before time. God's providence is what plays out in time. 
And in question 11 answers that, what are God's works of providence, his most holy, wise, powerful, preserving, governing all his creatures and all their actions. And we're going to get to the application of this, but I got to say, question 11 has been one of the most um, precious questions that that me and my wife have ever experienced, kind of like your experience with the Belgic. So my son is autistic and um, 17 years old. He's kind of at the you know second or third grade level. Probably will live with us the rest of, of his life. We really love him. But when we first discovered that he was autistic around uh, around age four, um, it was really really difficult because he didn't develop like our other children. Uh, there was communication issues. There was behavioral issues, and that's kind of followed us through even to this day. And Monica and I memorized question eleven of the shorter catechism and. Whenever we felt like just throwing our hands up in the air and saying, God, what's going on? We would say, honey, what are God's works of providence? And we'd repeat it to each other. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, powerful, preserving, and governing all his creatures and all their actions. And it reminded us that even in those moments, God was still in control. And he was, it wasn't like a, an unloving type of control. It was his holy control. It was his wise control that he was using these moments to draw us closer to him. And it's not fatalism. Right. Um, because fatalism leads to despair. When we truly embrace God's sovereign decrees and so- God's sovereign providences, we can be a people of hope, uh, of faith, and, and really what faith is, as, as Hebrews says, is being sure of what we hope for and being certain of what we don't see. Well, well, what don't we see? Well, sometimes we don't see the goodness of God. We don't understand his good pleasure um, that he's working out. And faith is continuing to trust when, when everything around us seems to be speaking a different direction yeah. and heading a different direction that we continue to say, no. God is still good and gracious, yeah. and this is a good gift, even though some days it's hard, um, and you just continue to hold on what you know is true. Yeah, That reminds me of Thomas Watson, the Puritan. He said, trust his heart where you can't trace his hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. that was a good quote. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we have. I mean, there are so many questions that we don't have explicit answers to in the Bible, mm-hmm. like... And being a parent, one of, of the most difficult questions is what happens to, to babies when they die. Mm-hmm. There's not an explicit answer to that in Scripture. But that quote by Watson, um, there's a, a really good illustration in Scripture where God tells um, Abraham that he's going to essentially judge Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham's nephew Lot is there. And so he says, Lord, Will you will you judge that nation if there's fifty righteous people? Uh, and God says no. If there's fifty, I'll relent. And then He goes, "What about forty? And then thirty? And then twenty? And He whittles it down to like was the last one 10? ten? Is that what yeah. it was? And then Abraham and I don't know what the tone of his voice was. I, I mean, maybe it was sarcasm or what. But what he says was, "Will not the the God the Judge of all the earth do right?" And I actually think that that's a really helpful place to land when we when we can't trace God's hand that we say, no, will not the judge of all the earth do what's right? Mm-hmm. That also reminds me that Psalm 73, when Asaph, you know, mm-hmm. the wicked prosper and their their eyes swell out through fatness and all, all the rich, wicked people are getting away with everything. And all of us priests and holy living folk, we, you know, we're laboring away in the dust. And it says that, you know, his, his, 
perspective was corrected when he went into the sanctuary, where he went to the place where man meets with God and is reminded of, you know, how sacrifices bring us into the Lord's presence. And mm-hmm. um, that, that that's really, what we need a perspective correction. We go to the sanctuary, which, you know, isn't the same for us today. That's that's the cross. Where Where is it that we can enter into God's presence? It's through the Son who is ascended and seated mm-hmm. at the Father's right hand. Amen. I think just the opening um, of that psalm that Tim is referring to is so helpful. He starts by saying, truly God is good to Israel, mm-hmm. to those who are pure in heart. But then verse 2 says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. And and that don't we just live in that moment so often in our Christian life that where we say, God is good to Israel, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I, I wasn't so sure about that because my experiences said everything contrary to that. Mm-hmm. And I think we're in good company. I mean, isn't isn't that the experience of of Joseph? Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine him in prison. I mean, isn't that the experience of David on the run um, from Saul? He was supposed to be king, and here he is um, not. I mean, isn't that the experience of Moses? Living in the desert for forty years, in the I mean, tending sheep before he comes back and and is involved with the Exodus, and then what does he do? He goes back back into the wilderness. I mean, there are so many moments in in the lives of the children of God where you live in that moment where your feet had almost slipped, yeah, and where you begin to question um, the reality of the goodness of God. Yeah, that reminds me of you know Hebrews eleven. That's the famous mm-hmm. Hall of Faith, and it opens. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You're talking about Mm -hmm. living by things that you can't see. It says in verse 2, For by it, that is by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Mm -hmm. They were approved by God because they lived by faith. That's that's going back to Habakkuk two four that the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been said to be to capture the message of the Old Testament in one verse: the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. Seems like the author of Hebrews agrees with that by faith. The people of old received their commendation. Yeah, and the message of the book of Habakkuk was yeah. really to Habakkuk: "You don't understand what I'm doing." God yeah. is saying to him, "But can you trust me?" Yeah, can you live by faith even though what it looks like I'm doing makes zero sense to you? Which it didn't to Habakkuk. Habakkuk was questioning God. Yeah, what are you doing? And God's answer to him was, "I'm not going to tell you." You need to trust me. Yeah. And then the author of Hebrews comes back and says, that's actually how we're all supposed to live. Yeah. Trusting God even when it doesn't make sense or doesn't look like God is in control. Maybe we could con- commend some some really great passages on God's sovereignty and providence to our listeners because I actually think it's this doctrine, especially this doctrine that helps people in dark times because uh, one of the, the things that leads to hopelessness is when you can't see meaning or purpose behind X suffering. Well, if God is sovereign and if he means it for good, the devil means it for evil, then certainly there's purpose and meaning in all sovereign in all suffering. So what are some passages that you brothers would commend to people to meditate and think about in terms of God's sovereignty, his decrees, his providence, whatever? The one the the passage that I often go back to is Mark four and five. And that's where Jesus calms a storm and destroys a legion of demons and heals the woman that doctors can't heal. 
and raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jesus demonstrates that his power in those two in those two chapters or in that you know short section, Jesus' power is unrivaled. Mm. And more than that, you know, he don't you care that we're perishing? He calms the storm. Yeah. Uh, here's a man who's been possessed by demons and is naked among tombs, cutting himself, and Jesus cares about him and rescues him. Here's a woman that doctors can't heal. Sorry, I'm I'm probably taking too much, but no. that is the single passage that I probably go back to again and again to remember God's sovereignty and also his care. And I I think the key in that, what Tim is saying, is the verse in, in Mark 4 where Jesus, after he, he does these things, says to his disciples, calms the storm, and he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So what he's saying is, I've given you enough. You've seen enough. Do you trust me? Do you, do you still not have faith? And, and, and I think that ultimately is the, the tension in which we, we live. Mm-hmm. Do we really believe who God has revealed himself to be? Yeah. And will we live trusting in what God has revealed even when circumstances don't seem to fit? And that's really the, what the author of Hebrews says, right, in the, first, in the second chapter where he says everything has been put underneath Jesus' feet. But then he goes on to say, but it doesn't look like everything has been put under Jesus' feet. And And that's really what faith is. That's right. Well, you've been listening to Gospel for Life. If you've missed any of these broadcasts, just go to subscribe, and uh, we will see you next time.